0: ...from Fred Wolf from Eastern European Missions. And I was really touched by what Fred had to say, and and I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's amazing that in this United States of America that was built on the principles that we find in the Bible, that today we cannot go into the schools uh, and talk about God. We cannot go in and, and bring the Bible or bring literature. Yet today, today we can go into Russia... And do those very things. And it won't be too long, ladies and gentlemen, before the people of Russia will be over here evangelizing this country. uh, I don't know if that's true exactly or not, but it's amazing uh, what's happening in this country. Uh, The reason we have Mission Emphasis Day is just to let you guys know what's going on with the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. We are a very mission minded congregation, but we want to present to you all the different facets and all the different locations that we support, and we hope that you get involved with one of these works. If you're involved with the work in in Central America or the work in uh, the domestic work, we know you're excited about that. I mean, you can't help but be excited once you put your finger to the plow uh, dealing with mission work, but if you're not involved, please get involved. We want 100% of the people at Mount Juliet to be involved in mission work, if that's at all possible. We support Uh, Brad Willits in Africa. This is another work that that we do, and Brad has spoken from this pulpit. Probably a couple of months ago he spoke, and we've been supporting Brad Willits for 12, 14 years. Uh, He is in Africa uh, translating the Bible into the Susu language for over a million people to learn the the Bible, the language there, and we think that's a very uh, worthy work. We do support a work in Russia, a very small work in Russia, uh, to the tune of about $200 a month And we can Tony Huddleston can give you some more details uh, About the work there Tonight we want to bring up uh, uh, Buddy Pickler And let him talk about the work in Central America I can tell you when I came to this congregation in 1986 There was one guy that went to Central America And that was Bill Staggs And Bill Staggs says, Verka, come and go with me to Central America And I said, Bill, I don't want to do that I don't want to do that, That's, I don't want to do that. The next year, he asked again, I said, Bill, I just don't want to do that. The third year, he asked, and I turned him down, but Steve Foster said, yes, I'll go. So Steve Foster and Bill Staggs went to Central America. The fourth year, he asked again, and we had a team of about 16 people go to Central America, and today, we have 35 to 50 people going to Central America. It is by far the largest uh, portion of our mission budget. Over 50% of our budget goes to the work in Central America. And most of you, how many people have been to Central America in this crowd? See, hands all over the place. Look around. Everybody's involved with Central America. Great work. And if you're involved, please get involved. Also, we're going to bring up Andrew Phillips tonight, and he's going to talk about a work that the teenagers are going to get involved with. they are going to go to Maryville, Tennessee to do a work, and Andrew will talk about that. And last, Mitch will talk about the domestic mission work. Uh, Ten years ago, we were going to Central America and someone said, hey, what about the people that do not want to go to um, Central America? Some people don't want to do that. Uh, So we decided to to try domestic mission work. We went first year to Covington, Kentucky. That was a great success. And for the last five years, we've been going to different domestic mission points. So Mitch will talk about that. Uh, Last but not least, I would just say that we want 100% involvement in this church and get excited about mission work. Put your hand to the plow. God will be pleased with what we do. And I'll turn this now over to Bay Pickler.
1: I was pleased when uh, David asked me to get up and, and talk about the the work in Central America. Um, It's something that I enjoy doing, and as the show of hands show, there's many people here that that enjoy doing that. Um, This morning we heard about the work in Eastern Europe, several thousand miles behind me. Uh, I want to talk to you about Central America, seventeen hundred miles that way. As a crow flies, uh, El Salvador is closer than uh, Phoenix, Arizona. You don't think about people being that close, but they really are. Um, David talked a little bit about his invitation to go to uh, Latin or Central America several years ago. Well, mine came in 1994. Uh, you know, we read in the Bible in, in Acts chapter 16 about um, the Macedonian call. To Paul, where uh, Paul heard the call, and, and he went to Macedonia to bring the word. Well, I had my own Macedonian call from, in the form of Bill Staggs, who uh, grabbed me one Wednesday night, one cold Wednesday night, and several of them were talking, and he said, uh, oh, Pickler won't go. And I said, won't go where? He said, Central America. I can't get him to go to Central America. Well, you never asked. He said, well, will you go? I said, well, I don't know. So I went. Uh, that was ten years ago. In the ensuing years, I have uh, been on eight trips out of the last ten years. In behind me tonight as a distraction, so you're not looking at me. You'll see some pictures of the work last year that we did in Neuslatan. Um Each photo has a story behind it, but if I told you each one of the stories, we'd be here in the next two or three days. So I'll just kind of leave the stories to you your imagination or you can grab one of the people that held their hands up and let them tell you about it. Um, There's a couple of things that you'll see in those photos that I'd I'd like to bring your attention to. Um, Look for those that are going down in the water and coming back up. That's the reason we do mission work and that's to baptize people and bring souls to Christ. Um, Is it an adventure? Yes, it's an adventure. Do you work hard? Yes, you work hard. But the whole purpose behind it is to bring souls to Christ. Our work in Latin America is coordinated through uh, the Forest Park Church in Valdosta, Georgia. They've been doing the work down in Central America, Latin America, for the last thirty years. They're a congregation of about our size, but they embrace this work and have seen it grow over the years. I'll talk about some of the other areas before I talk about our work in El Salvador. There's a School of Americas in Panama City, Panama. It's a, tre- a preacher training school. They have about 20 to 30 men there. Many of them uh, are married. Uh, it's a two-year program, and the graduates of that school are uh, qualified to go preach the word. We encourage the men to get their education there and stay down in uh, Latin America in their in their home country. Many who come here, in some of these photos, will tell. Um, we provide a scholarship, uh, four hundred dollars a month to support preacher down there, or support a student down there. That's all it costs. For less than five thousand dollars a year, you can send a per a man to let him learn to be a preacher, uh, and that's his schooling, his housing, and everything. So we support one down there. There's a printing work that's run out of Aldosta. Uh, they spend about $400,000 a year. We contribute about $10,000 to that. They print tracts, commentaries, Bible school material, uh, for all in Spanish uh, for, the work, for Latin America. There's a children's home. Uh, I could speak all night on the children's home down there. Uh, Beautiful family down there. Miguel and Esperanza uh, have 30 children now in a house that's probably 1,100 square feet and they can't hold any more children, but every month or so they're calling the people in Forest Park. There's two children down the street that their family just left them. Can, can we take them in? Now their oldest son, Miguel, has, uh, is going to come on staff. They're building a second house there on the, on the premises. And Miguel and his wife are going to start uh, another house where they can hopefully grow the work down there, where they can have as many as 60 children down there. Forest Park coordinates a number of medical mission trips. We are one of them. They have 13 going on this year. In addition to El Salvador, they will go to Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama, and Peru. They start in January, January 23rd, A couple of weeks they'll have a group that will go down. And the, tri- weeks, the trips are about a week long and they run all the way through uh, July 31st. So you can see that we're, we're just a small part of the work that's down there in Latin America. We started our work in El Salvador in 2001. Uh, it was a devastating earthquake. We got a call said, you know, we've never been to El Salvador before, but there's an earthquake, and a congregation down there has lost their church building, building they were renting, and they wanted us to, uh, to consider coming down there for our trip that year. And about 30 of us went, 30 of us from this area. Um, we got to, the building started and left materials to build houses for four or five of the, uh, the members down there. After that trip, we decided that we wanted to kind of make El Salvador our base and go back every year. In 2002, we went to a community called San Salvador. Excuse me, San Francisco Javier. Stayed in a school compound and started a, a work there. Started a small congregation. Uh, I think we baptized seven that year, and that congregation struggles on. Last year, we went to uh, the capital of the department which is their their term for state, or we would use the term state for the same area. Uh, we went to the capital. And the name of the capital is Uslatan. It's in the department of Uslatan. And we st- established a congregation of the Lord's Church there of about 20 people. Um, 20 baptized and, and one was restored. Um, Uslatan, the town, is in the, is in the center of an area where there's countryside all around it. What we want to do is to go back to Uslatan maybe a year or two longer, get the church established strong there, and then use that as our base to work with other congregations and establish other congregations in the area around Uslatan. Since our first trip to El Salvador in 2001, we've had 46 individuals from this congregation go. Thus far this year, We've had 34 sign up to go. And we said, hey, the deadline is January 1. Well, the airline has extended our date to February 1st, So there's still a few more slots. If somebody's interested in going, you still have time. Um, you want to go to Central America but, or Latin America, but this particular week doesn't work for you for some reason? That's okay. As I mentioned, there's 12 or 13 other trips to four or five other countries. See me when we're done, and and I'll be glad to help you figure out which one would be a good trip. Um, You want to help, but you can't go to to Latin America. Not everybody can do it. Um, Some people have gone on these trips, and it's it's changed their lives. Some people have gone, and it's changed their lives, and they said they're never going to go again. They support the work, but it's just not for them, and that's fine. I understand that, Uh, but there's a variety of ways that you can help. This year, our medicine for treating a couple thousand people is, is going up to $14,000. Uh, each traveler will spend about $1,100 to go. So if you can help financially, above and beyond what you're doing, uh, that would be appreciated. Watch the bulletin. The next few weeks, we'll have some notes about helping prepare some material. We're going to conduct our own little uh, classes down there this year. And uh, we're going to try to prepare our own material from uh, here in Mount Juliet. As we mentioned, there's 30, 35 people who already signed up to go. That means there's 35 families back here that have, that have a left loved one outside the country for a while. While we're gone, check on them. Make sure they don't need anything. Um, and most importantly, pray for this work. It's an excellent work. It's gotten good results thus far. And we need the prayers. Uh, over the years, I've had a couple of questions that, that, are, that are regular questions. Um, one of them is, um, uh, how much good can you do in a week? And another one was, do you get anything out of that? Or, or do the people down there get anything out of it? Um, until you've held a little baby, with those cold black eyes looking at you in anticipation of, of, of getting some relief from uh, some stomach virus or you've helped, helped an elderly lady down the steps to go see the doctor I can't tell you whether the person that's getting the help gets more out of it or the person that goes down, it's about even but when you, in these pictures when you see people come up out of the water and you see the joy on their face that they have uh, dedicated their life to Christ they're the ones that get the most out of it we get a lot out of it Ronnie Travis likes to say it dries his wood out, but it's nothing to compare with baptizing 20 people in a week or seven people in a week. So please pray for us on this work and help us in any way you can. Thank you.
2: Well, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is there's no neat pictures for you to look at during my presentation. The, the good news is uh, the reason for that, and that's the trip I'm about to describe uh, hasn't been done here in a long time. What I'm planning on and, and what uh, a group of us are planning on is, is having a teen mission trip this summer, and it's going to be taking hopefully about 15 to 20 of our high schoolers and the plan is to go to Maryville, Tennessee, uh, which is in East Tennessee, uh, not too far from here, and, um, and do a vacation Bible school there. Um, let me—I want to take just a little bit of time and uh, answer some, some questions. Uh, first of all, about where uh, we're planning to go. Um, we're planning to go to Maryville, Tennessee. Uh, there's a congregation there called East Side Church of Christ. There at Eastside, they've got about 200 members. Um, But more importantly, uh, they are in Blunt County, and in Blunt County, uh, they're estimated to be about 105,000 people. In that whole county of 105,000 people, there are five churches of Christ. Uh, Out of those five churches of Christ, there are three that are under 50 members. Um, only 3% of the people in Blount County are members of the church. Uh, so the field that we're going into uh, is very ripe, is very um, open. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity there to convert people to the gospel. In the last 10 years, the county has grown over 20%, and they estimate that in the next 10 years, uh, they're going to grow another 20%. Uh, The Eastside Church is is growing a lot. The preacher there is a guy by the name of Tim Shoulders. Uh, He used to preach in Lawrenceburg, and I had the privilege of working with him one summer uh, there at the church in Lawrenceburg. In the last two years, uh, they've had 45 new members come to the Eastside Church, uh, 22 people in the last four months. They've been doing Bible studies with people, and uh, they've had seven baptisms in, in the last two months. And he said that more... Uh, should be getting baptized soon, that they've been studying with a lot of folks, and the congregation there is really working hard to teach others. Uh, also, they've got plans to uh, start new congregations uh, in, this, in some of the surrounding areas. Uh, there's basically six communities in this county, and they're hoping in the next two to five years to start churches in, in the surrounding towns of Seymour and Townsend. This congregation has done vacation Bible schools uh, in the past. Last year, they had about 80 uh, kids come to their vacation Bible school. All right, next, I want to talk about, that's a little bit about the place. Next, kind of what the plan is. The plan um, for us, and like I said earlier, um, we're looking for uh, 15 to 20 uh, committed high schoolers uh, that are going to go and and be there for the, the whole time. Um, and about six to eight adults to go along on this trip. I've already talked to about probably four that are planning to go, so there's probably space for uh, three or four adults. What we're going to do is is plan to leave uh, the Saturday after our Vacation Bible School here on June 26th on a Saturday morning. Hopefully get down there and, uh, and get situated, uh, work that afternoon to set up the Vacation Bible School and also, maybe go out and, and do some door knocking, uh, pass out some flyers in the community about the vacation bible school uh, we 're hoping to go down on saturday june twenty sixth and come back on thursday, july the first uh, it 's going to be a vacation Bible school that starts on Sunday night and goes through Wednesday night um, i 've talked to uh, the preacher down there and and he has uh, met with the elders and and they are uh, very supportive of it. The congregation is, is excited about it. And um, I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity. You know, and I've been here a little over two years, and, and this has kind of been, I guess, my, my dream or, uh, you know, one of my visions for, for our youth is to get them opportunities to, to get out and, and teach others. You know, in, in the last couple years, uh, our teenagers have been real involved with uh, El Salvador uh, mission trip and, and also with the state side, and these have been great opportunities for them You know and i, I can 't um, thank everyone enough uh, for how um, supportive our elders here and how uh, encouraging uh, they are of our youth to be involved in mission work and I think that these opportunities have been have been great for them, but I think that that this opportunity this summer uh, will give them more responsibility it will give them more uh, opportunities to teach and, and be involved uh, and have more hands-on experience. Um, hopefully this the cost will be uh, relatively small. I talked to him and he's talked to the congregation. We're planning on uh, staying in members' homes there in, in Maryville. Uh, so hopefully, just maybe the price of some of our food—they're going to provide some of our meals and and you know just minimal cost of, of a few meals. Uh, should cover it. So uh, hopefully any of our uh, high schoolers that are willing uh, will be able to go. Um, Throughout the week, uh, since it's going to be on each night, Sunday night through Wednesday night, during the day uh, we'll be doing much like we do on stateside trips. We'll be going out, uh, passing out flyers, um, going into neighborhoods with a lot of children and, and doing some door knocking, spreading the word about what's going on. Also, he's, uh, the preacher's already got lined up uh, a nursing home in the area to go visit, and uh, we'll be doing some of that uh, kind of thing. So during the day, we'll be busy, and we'll be doing things uh, to help prepare and spread the word about the vacation, the vacation Bible School. All right, then I guess the next question is, is what now? Um, hopefully, many of you high schoolers are thinking about going. Uh, maybe a couple of you adults are thinking about getting involved. What we're going to try to do is use this as an opportunity to help teach our young people how to teach others and, and give them an opportunity to get that hands-on experience. Uh, since Andrew's been here, he and I have talked a lot about um, starting a, a class, starting a program to help our young people learn how to teach. And I think that's something that every, every child, every teenager that's going to go on one of these trips is going to go through this program and, and be taught uh, how to do that and and how to teach and how to be effective. And, you know, that's something that's going to be vital to having a good team and having a good trip. Um, They'll be able to teach and assist in classes, uh, help with puppet shows, crafts. Basically, one of the things that's exciting is that we're going to be doing uh, basically the same Vacation Bible School that we're going to have here the week before. So it's really neat. I've talked to uh, David Macandrew and Katie Whittaker, uh, who organize our Vacation Bible School, and, and hopefully they're going to be helping us in the organization and maybe even going on the trip. Uh, I think this is going to be really neat. You know, I've, I've, I've been at, uh, I guess, four different congregations uh, as an intern or uh, whatnot, and I've seen how their vacation Bible schools run. And I can tell you from the congregations I've been involved with, there's not a vacation Bible school out there that is any more organized than ours and, and any uh, more effective than ours is. And, and I think that's a, a testament to um, David and Katie and, and all the adults here and all the young people and everyone that help with that. Uh, I think it's, it's wonderful. And what we're going to hopefully do is just is pack that vacation Bible school up and take it um, to Maryville. And I think it's pretty exciting. You know, the, the last question you may be asking yourself, there could be other questions, but one of the main questions is, is why, you know? Um, and I, I think this is the most important question of all because when I look back at my high school years and, and my teenage years, some of my best memories and, and some of the I think greatest points in my development and greatest uh, help in my development as a person and as a Christian were trips like this, where I got to, to teach uh, hands-on, you know. I remember when I was a, a sophomore in high school, I went on the first one of these to a little town in Kentucky, and we went, and I taught a, a class. It was probably a second or third grade, and I think there were about, you know, three children in there, and I wasn't used to that. I was used to having... You know 15 20 kids and uh, but I remember how much I learned just having the responsibility of getting that lesson together and and working on stories and working on uh, handouts and and activities for them and I think that's something that um, in the growth of our teenagers I think this can be a great experience Um, as a teenager I went on probably four or five six of these trips and and they just helped me tremendously Uh, going to different areas, and and being given different responsibilities, and Andrew will tell you the same thing. He was involved in this a lot uh, as a high schooler as well. I think in the the last two years, one of the reasons, uh, one of the main reasons I've been wanting this is uh, our teenagers uh, are really special. Uh, I think all of you realize that, but we have got uh, just some amazing young people, and I know that's a credit to the parents uh, in this room and and the work that you've done and the love that you've given them. But I've wanted to um, give our teens this opportunity uh, because I know the talent that they have and the abilities that they have. And before they go on to bigger and better things, I want them to to get involved right now and to get this opportunity um, for them to grow. You know, I... Oftentimes people talk about the, the church of tomorrow and, and the leaders of the church of tomorrow. And I think this is one of the best ways I know of to develop um, the leaders and, and to give them that opportunity so that uh, the church of tomorrow is as strong as it is today. So that, um, you know, when down the road when they're given the opportunity uh, to teach classes, you know, when, when, when some of you get tired of, of teaching the same class um, over and over We'll have people that are trained to take over and and hopefully to continue to spread the gospel. Uh, I think this is just an awesome way of of developing Christian leaders. You know one of my favorite verses in the in the bible and and kind of a theme i guess for the the youth group is uh first timothy four twelve uh says Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. You know, I think we all know um, how talented uh, our young people are and and how special they are. And this summer, uh, hopefully we'll get to see uh, those abilities put to good use and and put to uh, the use of spreading the gospel. And I think this is an exciting thing, and I hope that uh, our high schoolers are excited about it. I hope uh, that the parents are, too. And uh, please, if if you have any questions about this effort, uh, please come to me later on. But uh, continue to pray for it and pray for us uh, as we continue to um, help our young people grow. Thank you.
3: Evening, David Burke asked me to speak to you tonight about our stateside mission, which will be upcoming uh, the middle part of this year, and then to also offer the invitation for tonight and uh, uh, to close out our, our our service. As we think on the stateside mission, I'd like for us to look at one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Look back at David and what he said in Psalms one twenty-two verse 1. Psalms twenty-two, verse 1, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What would prompt David to say such a thing? What would prompt him to say he was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord? I believe there are several reasons why David was able to have this attitude about him. And I believe as we look at these reasons tonight, it will bring a little bit of clarity towards us and our responsibility towards missions and our stateside campaign that we have coming up. Three things we see about David we'll cover quick. And David Shannon tells me I have to have three points for it to be scriptural, so we'll go through three points quick. First point we see is that David had a heart which was set on God. David had a heart that was set to seek God and a heart that fully trusted and relied on God. David, if you remember, even from his youth, was one who fully relied on God. As a lad keeping his father's sheep, he defended them against the lion and the bear. Look at that back in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We see David's trust in God with this as he's trying to convince King Saul to let him go fight Goliath. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. Here we see the tremendous faith that David had in God to look after him and take care of him in his everyday activities in keeping his father's sheep. And also that God would be with him as he went out to fight for God. The question then rises, do we have the same faith today in our lives? Do we look to God with full assurance and full trust, knowing he's going to take care of us? Where do we put our faith? In whom or in what do we put our trust? David had his faith fully planted in God. And hence he could say, I was glad to go to the house of the Lord, where there in his presence he could worship and offer praise to him. Secondly, I believe David was glad to go to the house of the Lord because he knew that God does and has richly provided for his people. Just a few chapters over from where we were in Psalms 122, David makes this statement. Look at Psalms 126, verses 1 through 3. David speaks of a time when his people returned, God's people returned from captivity. It says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. You see that in verse 3? The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. But David, you have done so well for yourself and for your people. You're a well-liked king. Your people are happy. Everything is going well. And David would say, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. But David, look at all the work you have done. And look at all the planning you have done. Look at all the battles you have fought. Look at this great nation that you reign over. And David would say, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. David knew where his blessings came from. He knew that it was God who gave him his position of leadership. He knew it was God who brought his nation through each battle successfully. And he knew it was God that provided the blessings for his people every day. The question then again comes to us. How do we account for the blessings in our life? When we have success, whether it be family or work or leisure, how do we account for that success? Do we have faith as David and say, the Lord has done great things for me and we're glad? Or do we look at it and point to ourself and delude ourselves into thinking that this is something that the work of my hands has done? David knew where his blessings came from. James 1 verse 17 tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God, our Heavenly Father, provides us with the gifts and the blessings in our lives. Jesus knew this was the case, and in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11, he says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man of... Is there a you whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask of him? How many here? If one of your children came to you hungry would turn around and rather than giving them the bread they asked for, give them a stone. One of the greatest joys I have in my work week is those times in between service calls where I can break away and go visit my parents. I know if they're home that they'll always have a fresh pot of coffee on and on these cold mornings after working out in the weather uh, that's very inviting. One thing also I've noticed that happens without fail before I leave mom always says is trying to offer me food it'll be something like we're about to have lunch would you like to stay and eat with us or we've just cleared the table would you like me to fix your plate and warm it up or we had whatever for supper last night and we've got leftovers in the fridge would you like me to fix your plate real quick And it seems to be something that is common amongst parents. Uh, David Shannon's mom down in Centerville knows that I go down there uh, often to to do work. And she has invited me several times to stop by and, and visit. So last time she asked me, I said, yeah, I'll give you a call and come by and have a cup of coffee with you. And she said, oh, no. She said, you give me a call and I'll fix lunch for you. It's just something about the heart of a person Of a parent that wants to give and take care of others. So you see in Jesus' illustration for a a child to come to a parent and say they're hungry. And the parent turn around and offer them a stone. That idea is ridiculous. And that's the point. That's the point Jesus was making. God our Heavenly Father knows our needs before we even know them. He knows what blessings we stand in need of, and he stands ready and willing to give those to us. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. So we see David was glad to go to the house of the Lord, one, because he had his heart set on God, and two, because he knew his blessings and his substance came from God. But thirdly, I believe we see that David wanted to go to the house of the Lord because he wanted to be with those who loved, served, and worshipped God. We're a family here at Mount Juliet. Uh, Brother Jack in his prayer, his opening prayer, talked about us being brothers and sisters in Christ. Our Father sits on the throne. He talked of how there's none greater than this family right here. And that is so true. Regardless of what happens throughout our week, it's good to come with fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters, and get that encouragement that we get from one another. I believe David experienced that same encouragement. Remember, his heart was set on God, and he realized that God was the source of all the blessings in his people's life. Don't you know it gave him great joy to go to the house of the Lord and see his people worshiping and praising God whom David loved so much. Don't you know it gave him great joy knowing he was part of a people whom God loved and who loved God in return. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Well, you say, those are three good points about David. But what does that have to do with our mission emphasis day, And what does that have to do with our stateside mission? And I would offer to you that it has everything to do with our Mission Emphasis Day. And it has everything to do with our stateside mission. You see, when we are like David and have our heart set towards God, we'll want to go and tell others about our God. When we realize that every blessing in our life is not merely the work of our hands and the success that we've brought on ourselves, but rather it is God opening the windows of heaven and blessing our lives, we'll want others to experience that blessing as well. When we realize what a spiritual family is and the encouragement and the support that we can get from one another, we'll want others to experience that same joy. Too often times our faith wanes when we lose sight of God's blessings. When we allow our heart to be turned away from God and to other things. Then we're not mission minded. Then we're not Christ centered. And too often we get in a rut. To where we don't have that joy of coming to the house of the Lord. And the reason is we have taken our our mind off God. and, And the blessings that he offers. This year, Lord willing, we'll be going to Fayetteville, Georgia for our stateside mission. Fayetteville is just south of Atlanta. The dates we'll be going will be June 4th through 11th. Mark it down, June 4th through 11th. It's a Friday and we'll get back on a Friday. The first full week in June. Fayette County, which Fayetteville is in, has a population of 91,000 people. Of that 91,000 people throughout the whole county, there are 708 members of the Lord's Church. Less than 1% of the population of Fayette County are Christians. You look at that, less than 1%. That's nearly an entire county who don't have a heart for God who don't have access to the spiritual blessings that we have through Christ. Too often, we take for granted the things that we have that other people need so desperately. So this coming June, Lord willing, we'll be going and knocking on as many doors as we can throughout Fayetteville and the Fayette County area. And we'll be encouraging and inviting people to come to know Christ. I'll tell you, I've spoken several times to the elders at Fayetteville on the phone, along with the preacher and several of the deacons. I visited their congregation uh, a few times in the past several months. Uh, Twice, John Baker and I went down on a Sunday, and then last week, James and Katie Whittaker and Tony and Pat Huddleston and myself went down. And I can tell you the congregation from the eldership down to the membership is excited about the idea of us coming and conducting this campaign with them this summer. Right now, they're making plans for us uh, as they host the the, uh, campaign. They're making plans for us, and they're also making plans for those honest hearts who will be touched by the gospel, who may respond and become Christians. They're making plans right now to take and nurture those new Christians and help them to grow in Christ. The preacher on two occasions in two of his sermons has challenged the congregation that if you have any vacation time, when you need to take it is June 4th through the 11th. Uh, They are planning a a big campaign with us uh, this summer, and I imagine several... Uh, We'll be planning to take off work and knock doors right alongside us. From the time our elders asked me to head up this campaign this year, we've been praying for a congregation such as this, one who would get behind the work with us and see the need for evangelism in their community. Many locations were considered prior to this one, but none offered the excitement and the enthusiasm which Fayetteville has shown. I believe our prayers have been answered through the Fayetteville congregation. Many of you have gone on campaigns in the past, the last several years. This will be our sixth one that we've done as a congregation, our stateside campaigns. Those of you who are regulars in going, we encourage you to make plans again to go. We need you there. We need uh, every door knocker we can. With our congregation growing like it has, there may be some here who don't know anything about the campaign. What we do is we go down there on Friday evening after everybody gets off work. We'll go down on Friday evening and spend the night at uh, the Holiday Inn there in Fayetteville. Last week when we were uh, in Fayetteville, Katie actually took some pictures. There's the hotel. I guess they've been showing them. Uh, do you have a picture of the uh, of the church building? There's the church building. It's a new facility. It's they've been in it just at a year, uh, and then uh, we have a couple of the inside of the the church building. That's at the pulpit, looking back at the uh, the auditorium and the balcony, and then uh, there's one more looking down towards the uh, towards the pulpit. No, okay. But they are excited about us coming. They're excited about the work there. The church has experienced uh, growth over the last uh, few years. And they're excited uh, with their new building and then with the prospects of us coming.